Welcome to Conversations with Chuck Hester, a weekly podcast designed to inform and entertain you and introduce you to some really interesting and inspiring people. I'm your host, Chuck Hester. Today, my guest is Dr. Terry Levine. Dr. Levine is a best-selling author, business consultant who helps medical practices and health coaches get the most out of their marketing. She is the chief heartrepreneur, love that title, at Heartrepreneur LLC, who works with naturopaths, functional medicine, integrative medicine practitioners, and who also, they want to create and scale their businesses without marketing and advertising. And that's where Terry comes in. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks, good to be with you, Chuck. Absolutely, and we'll talk about this a little later. We met on my second favorite networking platform, Lunch Club, uh, and got a chance to, uh, to talk about, you know, all of the different things that we've got going on and you know how we we could potentially help each other and network with each other so it's, it was really good, good to uh, to get a chance to do that terry tell us more about your journey i mean i know where you are now and we'll get to heartrepreneur as far as that goes but tell us how you got where you are today i mean it's, sure. it's been a long journey i started out as a speech language pathologist about 43 years ago and I started my own business and I had no clue what I was doing. And I struggled quite a bit until I figured out a, a formula, like a marketing formula. And I sold that company. And then I started a second business, totally different. It was in, in the art realm and built that business to about $12 million, sold that business, and then went on to start company after company because once I had the formula, I could just do it. And then I made one mistake on the journey that I would like to share. I spent five years as CEO of a national healthcare company and I didn't fit. I didn't belong. They loved me. They thought I was amazing. And every day I was miserable. I'm much more entrepreneurial. So 27 years ago, I said goodbye to them and I started my own coaching and consulting company. And I have never looked back, Chuck. That, that, that is truly awesome. And, you know, you, you are the type of person that the entrepreneur wants to hear, especially that last part. And we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about COVID, but the passion pivot, where do I belong? What should I really be doing? Um, we're seeing that amplified through this last now for what, 14 plus months uh, as to, you know, folks who are coming out. And when I was consulting full time, on working with a variety, variety of people on social media marketing and LinkedIn marketing. Uh, I, you know, I found that during COVID, I was meeting people who were doing those passion pivots, which is really, really cool. You know, a good example is an Air Force uh, person who had retired out of the Air Force and she became a voiceover artist because that's what she really loved. So there's a wide variety of things. So, um, so 20, did you say 27 years in coaching? Is that yeah, right? 27 years. Yeah, just oh, had my anniversary. <laughs> good for you, and congratulations on the anniversary. But um, so, talk to us about what you what you're all about and what you're doing. What what is the the entrepreneur do? I mean, as chief entrepreneur. <laughs> so uh, let me first tell you where entrepreneur came from because it wasn't the original name of my company and. I don't remember if it was eight, 10 years ago, I was with one of my publishers working on a new book. I was in New York. And all of a sudden uh, he said, well, I don't want this book. It's the book I was writing for him under contract. I'm like, what? He throws the manuscript on the floor and says, I've known you for 11 years. I want you to write me a book on how you do business as a heartrepreneur. And I remember going, a heart for what? Like I had no idea. He goes, it's the way you do business, Terry. I want that book. So 
I took the train home from New York back to Philadelphia. You know, it's a journey. And on the journey, I kept thinking about this and thinking about this. And then I had one of those, I could have had a V8 moments where I realized that is what I do. I teach people how to connect without sales, without marketing, without pitching, without selling, and just to be authentic, transparent, and in integrity and come from the heart. So that's what my company does. We've created a heartrepreneur movement with about 6,000 heartrepreneurs. And I oversee the company and I oversee the mission of Heartrepreneur as well as provide some consulting work with client family members. And of course, I write my books, Chuck. <laughs> well, and, and I think you're being slightly humble there because you've actually, if I get this right, you've written 40 plus books, right? Yeah, 47. I have two that just came out. So yeah, I'm an avid writer. I, I do it as a hobby. I love to write. And I know that that's the way I can reach the masses and really make an impact on people. And and some of the titles that people might want to look for or what give us an idea of that. My two newest books, and they're both available already, Turbocharge Your Business for Women Entrepreneurs. And then you can pre-order The Conversion Equation. And that comes out very, very quickly. It comes out a few weeks in May. So The Conversion Equation and Turbocharge Your Business for Women Entrepreneurs, my two latest books. We'll take a look. Great. So let's talk about your clients and, and what you do with them. Um, specifically, obviously, as a former CEO of a healthcare company, it kind of makes sense that you were heading towards healthcare. But I'm assuming there's other others are part of that background. Why? Why? health practitioners other than the obvious answer? So initially, when I first started, a lot of coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, authors came to me and then you know, chiropractors and attorneys and mortgage brokers and realtors, and it was an assortment of industries. And I have this passion for healthcare. I, my first career is as a speech language pathologist. I'm also a clinical psychologist. So I do have a passion for healthcare more than that. I have a passion for healthcare that is more natural. And so I just follow that and that's how I live. And so I've been getting invited over the last 10 or 12 years to speak at different conferences and to really help. And as I started listening to all of these people who were in health and wellness, they really didn't know how to grow their practices. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to help them. And I chose the market and very quickly the market chose me. So while I still work with a lot of people that I call influencers in their own small business, half of my business is dedicated to health and wellness practitioners in alternative medicine. So if somebody wanted to engage with you and become a client, is there a criteria for what you look for? I mean, you're, you're at a place, I believe that you know, you can basically say, yes, I, I will take you. No, I won't. Uh, those type of things. Um, so is there a criteria for the type of for clients that you work with? Yeah. Great. What we ask prospective clients to do is I have two different automated webinars, one for the general population, which is TL, like my initials, Terry Levine, TLWebinar.com. They go watch that educational webinars, nothing being pitched. At the end, if they resonate and go, I might want to know more, they can raise their hand and they can apply for 15 minutes of a conversation to see if, in fact, they may be a client that we can help. The second for the health and wellness, we have a very similar system, except it's a different automated webinar, very deep training at promisingprofits.com. Again, they can raise their hand. We are very selective, very selective. Number one, 
I have a 200% ROI guarantee. So I am on the hook. I have to make sure I can really get the client the results that I'm promising. That's number one. Number two, I only work with people who have a sense of humor and can be a little bit light when, when there's chaos in the world. And number three, I work with people who are implementers. This is not a magic red pill, blue pill. My system 100% works. I guarantee it with 200% ROI as long as you implement it. So I'm looking for people who really want to scale their business, who want what I have, a conveyor belt of qualified prospects every single day, raising their hand and asking to work with you or buy your products and services instead of you marketing at them. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. As a matter of fact, I'm, you know, I'm writing things down going, okay, check. Yeah, the sense of humor part I've got, maybe somewhat sarcastic as far as that goes. But you know, the, I think unpacking that lesson, if you will, for the folks that are listening, the entrepreneurs that may be listening to this here now and replay is you're selective on the clients that you want to work with. I mean, you're, you're not desperate to have clients. I'll take anybody I want. Uh, I, I, you know, I've run into that in the past for my consulting business. I know consultants who have, have crashed and burned, frankly, because they've done that. Um, but, you know, it, the, the expression, which is a hard one for an entrepreneur starting a business is, you know, you need to learn to fire the clients or not, not engage with them which is difficult. So talk about a little bit about the entrepreneur's uh, mindset in that regard. And you know, how do you do that? How are you comfortable with that to the point where you can do that on a regular basis and not, not have to be fearful of, I can't make it till next month or whatever it may be. So. so there's a couple of things that have to happen. First, you have to know the one result that your clients want, not what you think they want, not what you're passionate about offering. I mean, I can help you with any aspect of business at first, I surveyed my audience and said, if I could help you get one result in business, only one result, what do you want? And they came back and they said, we need more qualified prospects. So I only talk about qualified prospects, not all the other things that I do. That's number one. Get really clear on what one result you provide after your audience tells you the result that they want. The second thing is if you come from a place of desperation, people can sense it, they can smell it. And not only will you have less people, you'll get the wrong people. You're the mirror. The way you behave is how your clients behave, right? So even when I started my practice 27 years ago, I got 30 clients in 30 days. And that sounds amazing. And I built a you know, very steady business. Some of those people were wrong. And a month or two into it, I wasn't enjoying working with them or they weren't getting results. And that's when I realized it has to stop. And I let people go. And from that day on, I've had very strict criteria of who gets to come in, who can I help? And I don't sit here with my eye on the wrong ball going, oh, that's money gone. I go, oh, the money that's coming in is the right money, more of that. And that really is the way to run your business if you're going to really build something scalable. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, you know, Terry, you and I had this conversation on the lunch club, but every every time you 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 talk is like, OK, let's unpack that a little more. And where where are we going with that? You know, the sense of desperation, as you, you put it very well, of you know, as people can smell it. I mean, it is attitude and where you're coming from and they can they can totally understand that. And you need to be able to say, I, I just can't work with this person. I can't tell you that I'm sure you've seen this with you folks you work with the number of people I work with who go. I hate this client. I can't deal with this, but I need this client. It's really important to me. 
uh, and they're miserable. I mean, that, that's kind of the bottom line about that. Um, maybe a good place to kind of uh, slightly, and it, it's a, a pun here, a pivot into COVID and, and, and what I call the passion. I think I should trademark that, but the passion pivot that we the, uh, a lot of people are going through. You know, we've talked about Stephanie Stuckey and her passion pivot that she did, taking it from lawyer to legislature to you know, owner of the roadside stands. But um, COVID blessings that I like to say basically where a lot of people had a chance to figure out who the heck they were, what they really enjoyed doing, and how they could possibly be really successful at it. And one of, I think, and you've talked a little bit about this, but expand on that, if you will. One of the things is if I'm passionate about something and I'm doing what I'm enjoying doing, I'm going to be successful. I'm really going to be able to to uh, to make a difference as far as that goes. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Let me let me tell you just a couple of things. I like to teach by example, so I'll share some examples. Please. Um, I have a person I've known for years and she was doing nails and it wasn't her thing. She was doing it. It was money. And she liked talking to the client. She didn't really like doing nails. So we go into COVID there's lockdown and she has to make money to provide for her family and she can't mm -hmm. go do nails. Well, she's always gone to spin class. She goes like five, seven times a week. She loves it. Wow. She thought, I wonder if I could just buy three or four spin bikes and then start charging money and put the spin bikes in my backyard and have people come work out. Now, I'll fast forward. She started that over a couple of months. And now I've actually helped her. And she has built an entire spin studio outdoors currently, which can wow. be moved indoors later. She loves what she's doing. And she's making 10 times more money and working less hours. So that's one and I'll just give you one other. Please. One of my clients who is a business consultant and all of his work was leadership training, hands-on, and it, it went away. I mean, he, he had nothing overnight. And he came to me and said, I have no idea what to do. And I said, this is a good time to reevaluate because you can be a business consultant online. However, my question to you is, is that in your word, is that what you're passionate about? And we did some exercises and activities. We discovered his zone of genius. We really discovered what he's great at. And he's great at writing. So now he is a ghost writer. He has written seven books. He's working on four more. He works from home. As he said to me the other day, I work in my pajamas and nobody cares. Um, <laughs> and he's a lot happier than having to think about going out in the future and doing leadership training. So I think... To answer your question, I think those people who took stock and said, let me look at this as a blessing, I have time to really think about what to change in my business, my life, my health, my relationships. Those people advanced in many ways during COVID and other people who sat and had a pity party and didn't take that time to reevaluate, in my experience, were struggling and still are. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that could be a whole nother show, frankly, because, uh, you know, we're finding folks who are slowly moving into, you know, I'm, I'm in Texas, soon to be in North Carolina. We'll talk about where you are, because I think that's a fascinating story in and of itself. But, you know, there are folks who have been working from home for 12, 14 months, and, you know, corporate's coming in and saying, well, do you want to come back? And they're saying, no, I really don't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm happy where I am. I, you know, support me in that, be able to work it through. And then there's people, quite frankly, like me, who I, I thrive on culture, I thrive on interaction. I wanna at least do maybe a hybrid of three and two or something like that to figure that out. So, you know, the, 
the rules are, and I hate the term of, you know, this is the new reality, but this is the, the new normal. It's not normal. It's the new reality. This is who we work through. Um, and that's the other part of the pivot. I, you know, I've, I've had on my show and I'm a speaker myself, a lot of good speakers and trainers and like yourself. And, um, you know, it took me maybe a month to two months to be able to all of a sudden become a virtual trainer speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating to me that, that you're able to do that. How has that changed for you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming because when I do my training, for instance, I've always done it on Zoom or, you know, whatever it may be. So that's not that big of a difference. But how have things changed for you in that regard? Great question. See, the company has been virtual for all 27 years. However, I am a speaker. Um, I was scheduled to speak in nine different countries last year, and I am scheduled for four more this year and probably not going to any of those either. So what changed for me is I've been using Zoom and all of this forever. I was the fourth beta tester on Zoom. I just thought the whole world used Zoom. I didn't know they did. <laughs> so for me, that the part that has changed, I'm still giving the events. I'm just giving them on Zoom, and I've done virtual events for years and years. I personally miss people. I miss hugging people. I miss seeing people in person. And I just miss that interaction. Um, However, we have actually grown 600% during this pandemic, because so many businesses came to us and said, I don't know what to do. Or, you know, I have the doctors that did never did telemedicine had were making literally some of them no money couldn't figure it out. And so we've done a a lot of work, ramped up, brought a lot more consultants on our team and a lot more resources. But for me, it's just missing the human connection, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't, I echo you. I mean, I I miss, I was a hugger. I mean, I still am. Me too. If if I could. Um, But, you know, it's it's just one of those, even watching television shows where they're congratulating people and they're, you know, they're high-fiving in the air. It's like, no, oh, no, that's not quite the same. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. So, you know, you've been doing it a long time. Like I said, I've been doing it a long time virtual. Um, a good example is Content Marketing World. That's my favorite place to go in Cleveland. And I, I missed this last year. I did it virtually as, as a keynote uh, moderator. Um, but are there tips and tricks as a virtual presenter, speaker, or for that matter, you know, a business that has culture where we have to, I'm on, I'm on Zoom calls all day long, yeah. uh, but are there any, any good tips for folks who have to be virtual and how to make that work well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, I I do have to say that I chuckle when people talk about Zoom fatigue. I have been on Zoom since its inception all Mm. day, every day, Monday through Friday. And I don't have any fatigue over that. So if that fatigued you, having conversations with human beings must fatigue you. Talking on the phone must fatigue you. So first thing, my very first tip is get all of that nonsense out of your head, because that's a belief system that you're adopting. And then it's going to be draining. Zoom or any of these platforms can be extremely energizing if you are focused on delivering content. You show up and you wanna help people, you wanna make a difference, you wanna deliver value, you wanna deliver content. Stop focusing on the fact that it's this platform. It doesn't really matter. In fact, every day I'm so thankful for platforms like social media, platforms like StreamYard and Zoom and all the things that let us do what we're doing here because we have the ability to impact so many more people. So the work is here. 
Um, it's not, well, let me tell you how to work remotely and how to set it up. The only other tip that I will give as a remote worker is set hours, just as if you're going into an office, set hours. And no, it's not acceptable to have your family and your kids and your dogs running all over the place. So find a small area of your home or create an office where you can work, where a door can be closed, put a sign on it that says, you know, marketer, genius and process, do not disturb or something like that. So you can really get your work done. And I understand sometimes you've got kids and you've got to be getting them ready at the same time. However, really focus on how can I make some changes so that working from home can be easy, effortless, joyful, and fun. I, I, I love that formula. Uh, I'll take that formula all day long, you know, as far as that goes, joyful and fun, especially. Uh, yeah, and, and we run into, you know, I'm working with a large agency in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and, and now full-time with them. And it's, uh, yeah, we work through that. And Honestly, I have set up hours after hours, early morning hours, where I can actually have what I call just Zoom party calls, uh, you know, where I can just just talk to to friends of mine, and I want to be able to do that. Uh, we were we were both a lot more on on lunch club, and we can we can talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, we'll get into networking and your your platforms, and obviously my favorite platform, LinkedIn, and what you're doing with that and your LinkedIn group as well. But COVID is, you know, I think you're not the exception to the rule necessarily, but you, you've done very well in COVID, but I think it's more because you had that foundation as, look, I've been doing this already anyway. So, you know, I'll, I'll just work it through. And you, you found an audience of folks who all of a sudden accept Zoom as the, the, the norm, if you will. Um, but we, we talked off, offline about this. We talked in our original conversation on Lunch Club. Um, tell it. Tell me and tell my audience. Where are you, Terry? Where? What, what does that look like for you? Because the year is split up between several locations, which I'm fascinated by and jealous of, quite frankly. But uh, <laughs> first of all, where are you now? So right now, I am in my home, which is outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. And then, then what about the rest of the? And how often are you there? And then what about the rest of the year? So at most, I live in my home about six weeks out of the year. Um, in the summer, the spring, and into the warmer parts of fall, I live in Ventnor, New Jersey. I've got a place on the beach. I'm a beach gal. I love to wake up, look out my window, have my cup of coffee overlooking the beach. That's my love. And then the rest of the year, at least four months of the year, I live in my home in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Um, and I teach my clients to have businesses where they can work from wherever they want, regardless of their business. Many of them are like, oh, no, I can't do that. Or I have to see the clients or the patients or the customers. And I help them change their model. So not only do they have more wealth, they have more time freedom to live their lives. That is super important to me. I won't take anyone who wants to be a workaholic. We're not here just to work. Yeah, well, and I can, can definitely appreciate that. But, you know, and when we talk about this, the term digital nomad was bantied around several years ago. And this is, oh, wow, that would be really great. You know, most, mostly millennials and Z's doing that. But, um, you know, and, and when you did a job search, for instance, on remote work, you came up with stuff, but now it's almost the norm that they have to be able to say in a job description, remote work is fine, and this is what it looks like. And so there's the hybrid that's building off of that. So fascinating to see, I, you know, I'm a cultural type guy and I always look for cultural norms and business norms and where that's going to see how COVID has um, 
change the conversation, if you will, change change the uh, the culture norms for what we're doing. But like you said, if you're positive about what you're doing, that can make a difference as opposed to, oh, you know, I've got to get to the vaccine and then I, I can't hug, you know, anyway, long story short, that's what it looks like. So Terry, let's let's uh, go back into my favorite subject, which is, you know, and and I've talked to my, my listeners about this. Uh, well, I'm, I am on LinkedIn Live, but I'm not giving LinkedIn tips. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. However, I have a question that then allows us to talk about that. So we'll, we'll definitely do that. So your favorite social media platform is? So I will tell you that it's Facebook um, and I will tell you actually why. On Facebook, I've been able to do two things, which has made a huge difference. Um, first, I've been able to build a group called Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. We have about 6,000 members and create a lot of value for that group and just focus my time and energy with those 6,000 people. The second thing is on Facebook, I have been able to find my exact target audience in about 20 minutes a day. And for the last seven years, every single year we do organically, no advertising, no marketing to them. We do about a million dollars of our revenue that comes directly from Facebook. So I'm a big Facebook fan and user. Hmm. I, I've got to ask a question. How about LinkedIn? How are you using that? So LinkedIn is my second favorite platform. Um, and I was a little late to kind of figure out how to use LinkedIn. I saw LinkedIn as a lot of people initially looking for jobs and you know, coming to me and saying, do you want a job? And I'm like, what is this platform? And then as the platform kind of grew up and I kind of understood the platform more, I deleted over 11,000 connections, realizing I only really wanted to be connected with people I really wanted to be connected with. And so I spent the last two years um, finding the right people to connect with and now offering value to those people and starting to have heart to heart conversations with them. Um, and a lot of them actually are finding their way into my webinars and into my books. So LinkedIn is my second favorite platform. Yeah, and, and understandably so. And, and how active is your LinkedIn group, the business and marketing support group? So that was, and that's my bad. I take all responsibility for that. That one is not that active because I feel like right now I can only spend time on one platform. Mm-hmm. And so I'm where the, you know, the audience is. However, in the next few months, I will be able to devote more time to that group and have tons of resources and things to give that group as well. Well, and again, a couple of lessons there for folks that are listening. And I always talk about this with my clients. Uh, You need to, first of all, find where your customers live uh, on social media and then be there. And then, like you've said, I say pick two, but pick one that you're really, really good at and that you're comfortable with as far as that goes. Um, So we are going to talk about we we keep kind of circling around it. But Lunch Club. Uh, fascinating. If there was ever a passion pivot or a COVID blessing that occurred, it's Lunch Club. And if you guys are not familiar with it, let me know or let Terry know. Uh, we have invites that we can send you out. But basically, Lunch Club does what I did uh, for a long time on LinkedIn. I connect with somebody on LinkedIn. Hey, let's have a 15-minute conversation and figure it out from there. Lunch Club does the automation aspect of that. And, and now, as an AI platform, they're able to to match you with some really cool people like Terry Levine. Uh, so it works out really well. And as we mentioned pre-show, you know, I've gotten clients and subcontractors out of that. You have, you know, there's a wide variety of things to do that. I can only say, you know, add to that, 
Um, make sure, you know, it, it, as you described it earlier, pick up the phone, uh, have a conversation. I can't tell you, I'm sure you get this, how many people are hesitant to even take that 15 minute call with, is that going to be a business pitch? What are you looking for? The nice thing about Lunch Club is it's not a business pitch. It's who, I, who are you? Who am I? Where do we go from there? Uh, and be able to work it that way. So, Terry, I appreciate the time that, you know, my, the way I usually wrap this up and I'll give you the floor for this is uh, a lot of really, really good takeaways. I think, you know, I'd suggest you guys like rewind it and look at it and listen to it, those type of things. But uh, I'm going to give you the floor. What are the top three things that you want my audience to take away from this conversation? So the first thing is you've got to get this right before you can get the dollars right. And this is what are you thinking? What are your beliefs? You know, again, if you're thinking of Zoom fatigue, if you're thinking this COVID thing is the worst thing in the world and we're all shut in, that's not going to help you. So that's number one. Number two is stop pitching. And what I mean by that is stop inboxing people, stop asking random strangers to have a virtual cup of coffee with you and start creating value. Show up, give away some of your best tools, tips, secrets, products, services. Let people try it, try you, taste it, take a sample. If they like it, they'll raise their hands. I call that reverse marketing and they'll ask for more. And the third thing that I want to say is get really clear on who your ideal clients are and what they want, not what you want to deliver, what they want from you, and then simply start providing just that. And if you can't guarantee it, don't sell it. I sell nothing that I cannot stand behind and I don't buy anything from anyone who can't stand behind what they're selling. So that's where your disconnect may be. And those tips and tools should help you if you put them to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we always like to let people know how they can get in touch with you. And you know, here's your LinkedIn profile, which you can find you on LinkedIn, Facebook as well, uh, sounds like. So, um, and I know for a fact, because uh, the, the, this is, and I mentioned this to you earlier, this is, I pulled my Rolodex out for my first 20 plus shows. Um, this is one of the first conversations where I had that I don't know you very, we did not know you very well, but I uh, greatly appreciate, you know, knowing you better and, and enriching the conversation. So uh, get in touch with Terry uh, on, on LinkedIn. Uh, that would be one place to do that for sure. Um, Terry, I cannot thank you enough for, for the time and, and getting a chance to get to know you better. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chuck. Absolutely. So believe it or not, that's another edition of uh, pay, uh, sorry, conversations with Chuck Hester. But this is a really exciting day for me because most of you know I'm involved with an organization, an initiative called Pay It Forward Tuesdays. This is actually Pay It Forward Day. So uh, a perfect time to talk about one of my favorite passions, uh, which is cool things that are going on with the Pay It Forward Tuesdays initiative. Always uh, shouting out our Pay It Forward Six and Adam Sinkis. Jennifer Radke, Bob Shears, Brian Basilico, uh, and one, and a couple of really cool people, uh, Bridget McWaters and Jeffrey Pochet, who are actively involved in it as well. We have selected our April recipient. That's Lindsay Sutherland Bowl. Her organization, She Walks, helps women in recovery. You can check out her story on our sites. So please be sure to do that. The May uh, May. Um, Sorry, the main nominations are available now. So just go to payitforwardtuesdays.org and you can find more information. We work with 30 minutes a piece of uh, consulting work with 501c3s and up and coming entrepreneurs. So they basically get three plus hours of 
really good consulting work and helping them with their businesses and their organizations. So if you are interested and you want to nominate somebody or you want to want to be a nominee yourself, please make sure you do that. And then if you're a company or organization that provides products and services to small businesses or the entrepreneur community, uh, we're looking for sponsors uh, for either in-kind and product services or in, you know, in fact, sponsorship in general. It's a great way to pay it forward is one of my favorite phrases while building brand equity in your community. So Nick, uh, contact me for details on that as well. And next week on May 5th, my guest is Claire Kumer. Uh, she's a productivity coach and keynote speaker who works with leaders and teams with her science-backed strategies to inspire sustainable performance. And also, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and connections. You can do that uh, through Facebook and YouTube, as well as Anchor FM, where the audio of the podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a lot of different other channels. And you know, this is this is my ask, if you will. Interesting learning learning more about how to improve your marketing or LinkedIn presence. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Mention the podcast. You'll get a free 15-minute discovery call. So that's it for this week. Another great show on conversations with Chuck Hester. Until next time, this is Chuck Hester reminding you to stay well, stay connected, and always pay it forward.